From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary stranger, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. George Freund, independent researcher, blogger, and the host of a very popular podcast, Conspiracy Cafe, George is standing by to talk about President Trump's war on the globalists. One of his first executive orders uh, was to withdraw the United States from the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which will form uh, the world's largest multilateral free trade deals, uh, one of the largest trading blocs. And uh, there is also a bill uh, before the United States House of Representatives to pull the United States out of the United Nations. Uh, and Trump also seems determined to withdraw from the Paris Accord on climate change. And again, many people uh, who listen to this program, for example, feel uh, that that's yet another globalist scheme to control the nation state. So we'll get into all that and more with uh, George Freund coming up in a few moments. In the meantime, uh, let me um, give you a few programming notes. First of all, my uh, story producer, Albert, is here, is not here uh, tonight or next week. So uh, know what's in the box segment. And also, no uh, live stream on YouTube uh, tonight or next week. Sorry about that. Can't be helped. Uh, we will resume that in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, please uh, take a moment and get on up to the uh, website for this program, strangeplanet.ca. And that's a landing page, really. Once you're there, you can go off in a bunch of different directions. Uh, if you go to the radio section, uh, you'll find the website for this program, and uh, all the information you need about uh, uh, what's on tonight's show is there. Uh, so if you're wondering, you know, what's coming up, just check that out. It's right there. Uh, the uh, blue members button on the left-hand side, you want to click that and take a few moments uh, to register as a member. It's free, easy, very fast. And once you become a member, that uh, gains you access to member-only areas like the past show audio archive and the book club. So... Let's say you heard uh, a guest on my show and you couldn't remember the name of the book or how to order it and so forth. That's all right there. So again, strangeplanet.ca, go to the radio section and uh, that there you'll find uh, the conspiracy show. That's the radio program. Also, the television show, also called The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Uh, there's a section for that there. Or you can simply log on to that directly for the TV show, theconspiracyshow.com. Check it out. There's an online store. Mugs, T-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, uh, phone cases. For you fans of The Conspiracy Show, why not show it off and uh, buy something there from the online store? And we appreciate your support. All right, George Freund. He's a, he's a rare, a rare breed uh, in that he's, he's more than just a broadcaster. He has a podcast, The Conspiracy Cafe, uh, but he's also an independent researcher. He does his own research, his own investigations. He has his own contacts in the intelligence community. And um, I highly urge you to get on up to his um, his blog and his podcast at conspiracy-cafe.com. Conspiracy-cafe.com. George Freund from Conspiracy Cafe. Welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Oh, very good, Richard. It's good to hear your voice again. Uh, before we get started, let people know how they can hear your podcast. Well, we're uh, very active online at my main website, www.conspiracy-cafe.com. 
And I also have a backup website because that one has been attacked from time to time, especially since Election Day. But uh, that one is the Fabergé Google Doodle. So that's my Google Blogger page where uh, it doesn't seem to get too much uh, you know, action for uh, trouble, but lots of hits for interest. All right. Um, I want to I also mention to people, those not familiar with you, uh, and maybe some of the, those that are, don't really, I think, fully appreciate... See, I'm a broadcaster. I'm not an author. I don't, uh, I'm not a researcher. But you, by and large, you do a lot of your own research. You have c- contacts out there and, uh, you know, in the world of intelligence and so forth. Uh, and, and that makes you very unique. That, that, that a lot of the stuff that you publish, uh, on, on your site, Conspiracy Cafe, that's, that's original, uh, work to you that you've done. Oh yes, I do have research assistants too. Uh, they come and go, but uh, generally they're uh, older, gray-haired ladies, and uh, they're very, very knowledgeable in the arts and crafts of the intelligence agencies. All right. Um, we uh, we haven't talked in a while, and obviously uh, s- since the last time we spoke, a huge earthquake tremors throughout the world on many different fronts. Let's First of all, we have to talk about uh, the election of President Trump. And um, the way I sort of... Uh, uh, see this, and for all of us that toil in these vineyards, uh, sort of the alternative news, if you will, uh, this election has meant for us that for the first time ever, the things that we talk about on the Conspiracy Show, on Conspiracy Cafe, on Coast to Coast, all these different shows, it's it's been laid bare that we are actually witnessing now. Uh, there's no, you know, it's not hiding behind the curtain. We are seeing the war between the globalists and, well, uh, for lack of a better word, the, the nationalists, those who, who believe in that the, the, the nation-state is sacrosanct. This is, this is absolutely revolutionary. Oh, to me, it's like being let loose in the candy store, finally. We were the trailblazers, and people laughed at us before because we went up against this monolithic uh, media, mainstream you know, mind-control media. And uh, that, that's how they controlled candidates as well. Is if you didn't do their bidding, they would destroy you in the in the public eye. Whether it's through the newspapers, radios, television, if you stepped out of line, you could be destroyed overnight, and you'd never come back again. And uh, Trump is, you know, the only one to survive the gauntlet. He's run the gauntlet through the nomination process, through the election process, and now that he's seated in the White House, he's uh, you know being whipped every day. But nothing is uh, is sticking to him because uh, you know he's just a man of his courage and convictions, and uh, the people who follow him are as well. And we understand the dynamic. The left-right paradigm died. Uh, you know, we'll just give it a date to say when President Wilson started to get into the League of Nations, there was no such thing as a left-right. The left-right wing are wings on the same bird of prey that are going to tear us to pieces. We have a global force who's trying to make a world government without our knowledge or consent, and that's what I object to primarily. How can you do something for me at this nature to form, uh, you know, some sort of government that we have no input to? And if we ask any questions about we're labeled a freak or an idiot uh, for talking about conspiracy theories, but you just go to the library 
you know, any reasonable library and look in the political section book. And, uh, you know, I remember once when I made the trip, I found a book called One World Ready or Not by a Japanese fellow named Kamichi Oma while I was getting my oil changed. Well, how can you say this is a conspiracy? <laughs> the, the whole library is full of books on how they're doing it, what they're doing, and uh, we just want this in the public forum so we can debate it and make sure that we don't go down a wrong trail where we lose rights, privileges, or even employment as they bring in a lot of these free trade uh, deals, which are done in secret. And the last one that really upset me is even five years after TISA is approved, it'll be secret. Well, you know, I got German blood in me, too. And when you hear a couple of people getting together for a secret meeting, it's, you know, my hair it's, stands on end. Explain, explain TISA, George. TISA is the Trade and Services Act. And that's another one of those free trade deals that's on the agenda. Trump eliminated uh, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which is something I'd never thought I'd see in my lifetime, really, that that, that would go down in flames so quickly. And that to talk about doing things about NAFTA, but TISA is even worse. TISA is the worst of the bunch because TISA allows an employer to bring in workers from a third world country to work in our country at their rates of pay with their benefits and their health and safety. So you won't even have a job. You'll be outside looking through the frosty window going, I wish I could be a slave because at least they feed you and I'd be warm. Trump, and, uh, Trump's opposition to these... Uh these trade, um, you know, multilateral trade deals. Uh, you know, he's even questioned uh, America's position at the, uh, well, we'll get into the UN in a moment, but uh, in the uh, the World Trade Organization, the WTO, he's not happy about how that works. He's not obviously uh, happy with the, the TPP, as you mentioned. He's he scuttled that. You didn't see, you didn't think he'd live to see that day. The fact that he is... Uh, Challenging the established uh, world order and these and and free trade and these globalist organizations, it's funny to me when you look or or, or puzzling that a lot of the people that are in opposition to him, those are the same people that you would find protesting the World Trade Organization and the G20 and uh, the, the Trans-Pacific Partnership. They should be an ally in this regard, and yet. They're, they're in opposition to Trump. What, what do you make of that? Well, what I see uh, from you know, my research and from what a lot of other people have done is a lot of these uh, alleged protesters are being paid. And uh, they're part of the uh, Soros you know, conglomerate. Uh, he has many, many groups that he supports. And they all talk about you know, warm, fuzzy democracy and all this sort of thing. But by and large, there are the Color Revolution Incorporated, and he's used those to overturn governments. Uh, specifically lately in the Ukraine with the Maiden Revolution. He tried to do it in Russia, but that's like running into a brick wall. Mr. Putin knows exactly who you are and what you are, and he just sent all those NGOs packing. And, uh, you know, he's not going to allow a cover, color revolution. And we're seeing that right here before our eyes. We're living in the color revolution, that this is what it is. They're, they're hoping that somehow they can create enough pressure in the street that uh, they can overwhelm uh, Mr. Trump and, and put him out the door, that he'll have to just leave with his tail between his legs and give up, hardly likely, or, uh, you know, that people will just surround the White House and shout him down until he has to leave like uh, President Nixon or something along those lines. But that isn't going to happen either because we know, at least a lot of people know, what the fight is about. The fight is about not the left-right paradigm. The fight is about whether we're going to go into an international system where we're basically reduced to a neo-feudal society for the average person or not. 
and uh, the people who have decided not, uh, that's what they want, and they're not going to give up on it, and they know that mainstream corporate media is lying and deceiving them left, right, and center on, on virtually everything. They never say anything good about what President Trump has done. And there's been a lot of issues uh, like this pipeline and the fighting that went along in the Dakotas. No corporate media has ever said, you know, he settled that. He moved it 70 miles off Indian land, so it won't go through Indian land anymore. And for safety, he's not going to use Chinese steel. He's going to use U.S. steel because it's far safer, better, and stronger, and would also maybe put some people in Pittsburgh back to work to build it with. And that's just swept under the rug. So I look at that as, well, here you had an administration like Obama. They're ready to fight with everybody, and there's violence on on this uh, line of contact between the First Nations and, you know, corporate world America. And uh, Trump's just settled it. It's over. There's nothing to fight about. We're not going to invade your land or or force it down your throat. We're going to make a better option that's safer and more viable. Well, he has certainly... uh and this is what he campaigned on. Uh, you know, he's a whole new approach. Normally, uh, the, one of the reasons that government, and particularly the White House, moves at a snail's pace or a glacial pace is uh, that a lot of policies that uh, come out of the Oval Office are vetted by almost every other department. Uh, the reason is twofold. They want, they want consensus. They want everyone on the same page. But that's also a way of preventing leaks because if everyone sort of buys in, then no one is going to necessarily leak that information. But with Trump, uh, and this sort of explains, for example, the, the rollout of the, uh, the temporary ban on, um, on immigration from those seven, seven, seven countries, why, you know, it wasn't as smooth as it may have been, is yes, there is, there is a certain expediency with Trump. He says, okay, this is what we're going to do. Uh, now let's do it. And, and that's why we're seeing, you know, executive order after executive order and things moving at such a rapid pace. He doesn't, he's not a consensus guy necessarily. Um, he doesn't vet everything by every conceivable agency. And that's why things happen very quickly. Um, and that's why maybe the, uh, the, uh, the mainstream media is doing, uh, cartwheels because, or, or rather, uh, they're uh, sort of apoplectic because they can't keep up with this guy. George Freund is with us from Conspiracy Cafe, a very popular podcast. We'll tell you again how you can listen. When we come back, um, George, speaking of the globalists versus uh, Trump, if you will, uh, we'll talk about the American Sovereignty Restoration Act of 2017, a bill by Alabama Congressman Mike Rogers to pull the United States out of the United Nations. Very controversial. We'll be... Uh, We'll get into that when we come back. The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Fasten your seatbelt and put your tray in the upright position. You're about to leave everything you know behind on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. We are back with George Freund, host of the popular podcast Conspiracy Cafe. That's conspiracy-cafe.com. All right. The American Sovereignty Restoration Act of 2017. Uh, this is a bill that would, would repeal the United Nations Participation Act of 1945. Uh, it would do some other things. But uh, uh, talk to me about this. This, is, this has been around a while. It seems to me, uh, didn't um, um, uh, Paul Ryan introduce a similar piece of legislation many years ago? I believe so. That's been a hot-button item in the United States, especially when you look at the John Birch Society uh, that was their mainstay, was to get out of the United Nations. And uh, the United Nations is set up like it's a uh, you know, warm, fuzzy-feeling uh, 
something or another. But by and large, it's been a wannabe world government that leans you know, extremely hard to the left and uh, would be very much like a communist state. And again, you have taxation without representation, because when they bring in these global taxes, yes, we may have appointed representatives from our government, but we don't have anybody we've directly elected, and we don't have anything near like a constitution where we have enshrined rights and freedoms like the U.S. Constitution put in there. And a lot of the segments of the United Nations are highly tyrannical regimes that may get into key posts and start making key decisions about what you can read, what you can eat, where you can go. And it's just like the European Union magnified over many-fold. And, uh, you know, I've never really liked it under those circumstances when I found out what it really is as a wannabe world government. I don't think I want a world government. I believe in the economy of scale, and that's a basic fundamental of economics. You can only grow so big or get so large, and then you become unwieldy and implode or fall apart or just run very, very poorly because of the inefficiencies. You can only grow so large. And what's the problem with an independent sovereign nation state like Canada that's well-run, well-managed by and large, and, uh, you know, we just clone that to maybe some other regions or areas so they can enjoy the same benefits we have. But to just usurp our sovereignty and give it over to some board or panel of, you know, enlightened thinkers, I think would be the worst mistake we could ever make. It would just be like giving power of attorney to the first guy who comes along to look after all your financial affairs. I think you're going to be left high and dry. Well, there are about, what, 190-some members of the United Nations, and I, I haven't tallied up the numbers, but I would say, what, maybe 60, 70% of these countries uh, are not democracies. They're, they're uh, thugs, they're dictators, they're uh, communist uh, countries, um, uh, you know, violent regimes, state sponsors of terror, uh, I mean, this is this is the club, and uh, a club that hates, hates the United States has been historically vehemently opposed to the state of Israel's very existence. Uh, why would you want to belong to a club that hates you? Exactly, and to give you know, I don't believe our tax dollars, and I'll speak for the Americans too, because I'm sure there's a lot of Americans that say the same thing, should be given away to extraterritorial entities. Or, or funds or schemes, uh, because that money was raised for our own domestic use and issue. And uh, to give away, you know, never mind millions, but billions and billions of dollars to things that are totally unaccounted for, that we don't get, uh, you know, a budget back to say where the money's gone, uh, I think is absolutely scandalous. I think it should be against the law, really, that our tax revenue should just be for our own indigenous purposes and not to be sent offshore somewhere to solve whatever problem you want to solve. Mr. Trudeau was very quick to pick up the $600 million that Mr. Trump was going to cut for not funding abortions or birth control uh, agendas overseas. Well, excuse me. You know, we have our own people here in this country that are, especially if you look at the First Nations, we have a suicide crisis. People don't have clean drinking water. You live on top of an open cesspool. <laughs> and where, where's this money going? And his $2.6 billion for global warming initiatives to send to ten-pot dictators all over the world in his first month, $2.6 billion. i got to work to pay my share of my uh, income tax and such like that. And I'm sure a lot of other people do, too. And we have crumbling infrastructure here. You have to line up at the hospital and wait because there's not enough. Uh, you know, our transit uh, could use the money here in Toronto. 
why is this money going offshore? And if it's going to some kind of dictator or tin pot leader who's going to recycle it into an offshore bank account, I'm sorry, that's not good enough. Well, you know, George, uh, we uh, Canadians love the United Nations. Uh, going back to Lester Pearson, and we we love the idea. I'm not uh, saying that you or I, but I'm saying in general, we love the idea of fighting under the the blue flag and in the blue helmets or keeping the peace. Uh, we're, we we we're in love with these international organizations in this country. So it's never going to even become part of the public discourse, uh, Canada leaving the UN. But in terms of the United States, the American Sovereignty Restoration Act, uh, again, introduced by Alabama Congressman Mike Rogers, uh, and I believe he is part of the, uh, the House uh, Foreign Affairs Committee. But, but that's not going to pass either, is it, realistically? It's going to be going up against the wall, but I think it's a first step. And like many long journeys, they have to commence with a first step to even know that uh, there's a legitimate uh, bill coming up and pressure coming up to say that uh, we're looking for change just inspires me. And I never thought I'd see that in my lifetime. And I like Lester Pearson. Lester Pearson was a peacemaker. And uh, he, he was probably one of the greatest Canadians that ever lived. And we changed when we started following these wars of conquest with other nations, primarily uh, you know, the globalist leaders of NATO countries, including the United States, to, to just strip the assets out of other countries and be the muscle for the economic hitman. And we've destabilized all these regions where the whole concept of the United Nations and Lester Pearson and being the peacekeeper was that we're trying to stop wars. We're not going out to be an imperialist power to go out and loot other countries and turn them upside down. Uh, we're supposed to stand between hostile forces and get them to see the light of day to accept that peace is the better answer and that cooperation is a better answer. So the United Nations and that concept of the blue helmets has gone completely out the window and that was one of the last stages of change in the United Nations where they stopped being peacekeepers and become peace enforcers. And Mr. Trudeau sending our troops into Africa to become peace enforcers and they're all ready to go to work in uh, sundry nations with the French to actually get into military conflict. And we've also, you know, we've got into uh, firefights already over there, and that's kind of being swept under the rug. Uh, you know, I give him an de honorary degree, Master of Machiavelli, because, <laughs> uh, you know, really he runs the store like the Dark Prince, but as the uh, selfie prime minister, he has the great popularity and a plume to make everyone just forget about it very, very quickly and uh, comes out as the warm, fuzzy, cuddly teddy bear. Right. But in, in terms of the United States pulling out of the UN, and, and as you admitted, it's, it, it, it'd be very difficult, but I, I guess what he wants to do is put the world on notice, and, and, uh, and uh, his uh, newly minted ambassador to the United Nations, former governor of Mississippi, Nikki Haley, has uh, sort of delivered that message to the UN. Uh, you know, all of you bad actors out there, we're going to be taking names and kicking butts. What other... Uh, kicking butt. What what else, what else do we can we expect from a Trump administration at the UN? Would, do, could we see threat of defunding certain organizations? Could we see, uh, for example, um, uh, a refusal of the United States to participate in peacekeeping operations? What what do you see realistically Trump doing with the United Nations? Well, he's going to do it on his own. One of the things that uh, you know I'm working on for my next recording is, you know, he's sending ships to uh, take on the Iranian Navy because they did a, a test fire of a missile that violated an international agreement, and he told them, "I warned you, and you're not going to do it again." 
So, you know, he set up a line to cross, uh, sort of more or less, where he, d- he doesn't need the United Nations. He's, you know, if he wants to be policeman of the world, he's going to be policeman of the world. And, uh, you know, he's a very straight, matter-of-fact individual. I wouldn't want to be on the wrong side of him, let me tell you. And he's learning the ropes on how to control such a big uh, military uh, complex like the United States, all the armed forces, the intelligence agencies. And he had to deal with a lot of people ratting out. Like there were mass walkouts in many of the uh, law enforcement organizations for people who were on contract or that they were, uh, you know, probably loyal Democrats and they don't want to soil themselves by being near Mr. Trump. And that put them under a lot of pressure so that, uh, you know, you have everybody walk out of your, your business. Well, it's kind of hard to do the show if you had to do it all by yourself and all your staff walk out. So that, and then the press just picks up and say, oh, you're not doing a good job. You're not doing a good job. But they don't report as well to say, well, you're under extremely handicapped conditions. You're, you're on your own or with a very limited skeleton staff. And, uh, but as he picks up the experience and the know-how, and people have to gauge him too, like other leaders in the world, especially if they're of the despotic nature, you know, this isn't a guy you're going to muck around with. Maybe other leaders in the world, you can kick him in the shins a couple of times and get away with it, and nothing's going to happen. But I think if you try that with Mr. Trump, he's just going to deck you. Well, he's also operating with one hand tied behind his back because uh, three-quarters of his cabinet, or at least half of his cabinet, has yet to be confirmed. He doesn't have a secretary uh, uh, or an attorney general. Uh, He doesn't have a secretary of education. He doesn't have... um, well, there are a number of, you know, pick one. secretaries yet to be confirmed. Exactly. So that's problematic. Whoever However, he picks, they, they're not going to confirm him. I want to talk one, about... I the talk sessions about... was hilarious. I listened to that on the morning uh, Mind Control News uh, locally in Toronto, and they had uh, one of the senior senators talk about uh, Mr. Sessions, and he just said, you know, he's bright, he's intelligent, he's articulate, he's, you know, he's a man of the laws, and he's this, he's that, but we can't use him. And probably the big reason is because he's not a globalist, and he may be honest. Right, right. So they tried to att- uh, they attempted to taint session with the uh, the racist card. And here's a man who fought very hard to have his state uh, desegregate, uh, led the charge in that regard. Also led the first successful uh, indictment of a, uh, a, a the head of the Klan in his state, which resulted in the death penalty. He pushed for the death penalty for this horrible white supremacist. Uh, everybody that has worked with him, they had to go back 30 years when some off-the-cuff comment that may or may not have been made, and that was all they had on him. So now all of a sudden he's a, he's a racist. I want to talk to you, though, about um, uh, the United States and, and Russia. Uh, recently, uh, Trump, just prior to the Super Bowl on, on, a, on Fox News, being interviewed by Bill O'Reilly, was asked um, why he respects uh, Putin. And... Um, Again, this is another head-scratcher for me. Uh, you know, years ago, the left, uh, you know, was in love with the Soviet Union. Joe Stalin, the, one of the worst mass murderers in history, was fondly regarded as Uncle Joe, even in the Oval Office. Uh, and and uh, now here, and Kennedy, of course, certainly tried to reach out with Khrushchev. They, the two of those uh, the, the, those uh, leaders worked very hard to to uh, construct back channels so they could talk to each other away from the military-industrial complex, and, and perhaps that was responsible for averting war more than anything. And now here we have Trump reaching out uh, to Putin, who is admittedly a thug, trying to de-escalate things, and now the, suddenly the left is piling on him for that. Again, this is something that they should have common ground. 
that just shows you that the left-right paradigm doesn't work. Putin isn't a globalist, and uh, he did have a, a, a group of you know, advisors go into like, what he can do to fix his economy. And one of the winners in the decision was to come up with a, a non-fiat currency money system to get away from the typical central banks that get you invaded and regime changed if you don't go along. And uh, he went to the top of the list with that being the best solution or one of the most viable solutions. So he doesn't play the game in the global court where previous regimes in the Soviet Union days were head hook, line, and sinker involved with, uh, you know, establishing a, a one-world leftist government of some sort. And uh, Putin just doesn't do that. He's a master strategist. You know, he, he's the, uh, you know, the top-notch colonel who had to earn his stripes to get through the military uh, to get into the KGB in Russia. He's a master tactician. Right. He's got guts. He's a gambler. He's probably one of the most dynamic leaders of, uh, you know, the last 50, 60 years. Well, I would go back further than that. I think you could make an argument Putin is the greatest Russian leader since Peter the Great. Now, that doesn't mean he's not a thug. That doesn't mean that he's not capable of poisoning his opposition. But that's what you get over there. That's the best kind of leader. I mean, that's about the best you can hope for uh, in that sort of gangster capitalist society. However, uh, we'll come back and talk some more. George Freund from Conspiracy Cafe, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. The owners of the system are asleep. Now we can play. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. We are back with George Freund, uh, independent uh, researcher, investigator, uh, very prolific, and uh, you can hear his podcast at conspiracy-cafe.com. Uh, when, when are new ones posted, George? Oh, as often as I can get at it. So it's about once a week. But, uh, you know, I'm also restoring my archives from that channel because, uh, you know, when they had some business difficulties, they lost a website and many things that were online were gone. So I ended up with the master hard drive and I'm going through them and, you know, it's just like doing it from scratch again to find, because I like to put up links. I just don't like to say something and say, okay, this is what I say. No, this is what I say and this is the evidence I have that backs up what I say. And uh, so that way that, you, you know, you can check it for yourself. Because the most important thing is something my grandfather taught me when I was a small boy. There's rules like you don't go away with strangers and things like that. But he had a, a, a rule that was just as important. Don't ever let anybody else do your thinking for you. That was like fundamental and uh that's something we just do all the time as we let other people we listen to the talking points on tv or in the news and we let other people do our thinking and carry us away and i just okay you said that that's fine now i'm going to actually research this and find out what's the other side got to say and balance the two and put them through a stress test to see which one floats and which one sinks and uh, that's very, very important. So if you're a parent out there, that's something you should tell your children is don't, you know, teach them to think for themselves. Don't ever follow the crowd or the mob or something like that. Do analysis of, of issues and problems and figure it out. And it's a good learning exercise for you on how to think. Uh, in addition to the, uh, the podcast, uh, there's also uh, tons of articles uh, that you post uh, on your blog at Conspiracy Cafe. And I want to talk to you about what you say is the only prediction that really matters for 2017, and that's the global debt collapse, you say will begin in 2017, uh, followed by the rise of fascist totalitarian governments. All right, so the, uh, the debt collapse. Uh, because the United States um, 
they uh, they are able to basically you know print the money and raise the debt ceiling uh, seemingly um, in you know uh, forever uh, and continually kick the can down the road. Why do you believe 2017 will be any different uh, than any other year? Uh, why the debt collapse happens this year? Why do you, why do you believe so? I would go that year or this year because they want to get Trump. And if there's anything the great unwashed wouldn't accept or understand is the fact that it didn't matter how many presidents ran it up or got it started, but Trump was the captain of the ship when we hit the rocks, and they'll blame it on him. Uh, One thing we have that works in our favor is there's something that we don't understand, even a lot of people that are very well trained and inured into economics and financial planning and policies, is the power of the algorithm, but also in association with the supercomputer, which is taking things to a potential that you know we could never even fantasize about a few years ago. And what was systematic, seeming to be destruction, may not work out the way we would anticipate, because the supercomputers can use the algorithms to a point where we can take the debt to levels that would just absolutely frighten people a few years back and, uh, you know, maybe get it to survive a little longer. But we can't live on borrowed money, and this is something sooner or later we have to hit the wall. We had a miracle in the last financial crisis where we didn't go over the cliff. And, uh, you know, thank God for that. Some people would like to see a a change or what they call a global reset, and they've been planning for this. But uh, that means misery for millions and millions of people who are woefully unprepared to deal with this. So if they lost their livelihood, or even for people who are well-established, if you didn't have anything to back up your paper dollars, or maybe your real estate, or your stocks, and uh, you you don't know much about hunting and gathering, you could be in a lot of trouble where you're almost facing starvation. You're saying someone within, what, the U.S. Federal Reserve System is going to, like Janet Yellen, is going to purposely tank the U.S. economy? How would they do that? That was one of the plans to uh, that they want to cause a financial crisis on Trump's watch, and that uh, that could come very very easily. The Chinese are dumping American treasuries at record paces. Uh, admittedly, you know, tens of billions of dollars doesn't sound uh, too much against trillions of dollars, but they're starting to head for the exit. And uh, one of the things with the paper dollars is they're just checks; they're a promise to pay, and when the promise wears out for whatever reason, the, the whole system can c- come apart within 24 hours and right. sail around the world. We have okay. Deutsche Bank on the ropes. George, i got to ch- cut in here. Yeah, sure. Italian banks in trouble as well. Listen, we'll come back and pick this up on the other side. George Freund, Conspiracy Cafe, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. We are back with George Freund, conspiracy-cafe.com. That's the uh, the podcast, and you can also access his blog there, read all his articles. This is uh, much of it, original research and uh, original stories uh, woven out of uh, a whole cloth, and uh, that makes George a very unique individual, uh, to be sure. Uh, we were talking about what you see as the inevitable collapse, the debt collapse. Uh, you, th- you believe 2017 could be the year, and... Uh, um, the United States, of course, remains the, um, the you know the, the reserve currency of the world. Um, if, for example, China, which holds a great deal of debt, Saudi Arabia holds a lot of debt, uh, wouldn't they be though shooting themselves in the foot 
uh, if they were to um, precipitate this collapse because, I mean, China owns a lot of real estate in some Fremo locations. They own a lot of downtown Manhattan. The same with the Saudi Arabians. Uh, they have as much to lose as 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 the U.S. Uh, if if there's a collapse, so does the world. I mean, it's the reserve currency. If the U.S. were to suddenly default, uh, and I can't see that happening, I mean, we'd all go down. Yes, in in a very short order, and that's something that uh, you know, you prepare for the worst, and you hope for the best. And I do hope for the best, but I try to be prepared for the worst as well because if something comes along that changes this dynamic once and for all. And a lot of people have been expecting this for a long, 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 long time that we're going to have this. And we've kicked the can down the road. We've put it off time and time and time again. But it's like something my grandfather told me, too, because he went through the uh, 29 issue and the Depression. The biggest mistake we made, he said, was that we thought it couldn't happen to us. And it did. And then after it happened, it was pretty much too late. But after he learned his lesson, he always had a garden, he always had a cold storage room with food in it, and he always had some sort of uh, finances to back himself up with so that you never faced the day when, you know, even if it's a temporary thing, could you go 30 days without money that the banks are shut down until they establish something else? That happened uh, when an Italian bank uh, went under or had to do one of those uh, bank holidays for 30 days. There was a doctor in Italy had 20 euros in her pocket and that's it because it was her bank that went down and you had to live on 20 euros for a month and you never you thought every day is going to be rosy and every day you go to that machine or you see the teller that something's going to come out Uh, we're taking liberties there i always recommend to people to be the bank of yourself have some resources on hand so that you don't have to get into a big lineup screaming and yelling with people like what happened in greece that you've got uh, a few of your drachma somewhere put away that you can get by, or better yet, have uh, you know the things you can buy with cash, or be good barter item, items. Argentina went through hell uh, many times and is still going through hell to a degree with uh, financial pressure. And economic warfare is a tool that's used. It can happen tomorrow. Uh, Trump is getting uh, pretty tough with China and vice versa. And I would always uh, suggest that both parties kind of, you know, think about what they're getting into before they get in too far. And uh, But China's nuclear weapon in finances would be to dump the U.S. economy as opposed to go to physical war. And uh, that could leave us on the short end of the stick. Uh, do you see um, a new reserve currency emerging within the next three, five, seven years with the Chinese yuan maybe based on gold? That would be a better option. I'd like to see some currencies that are backed on gold so that at least when you have uh, a paper reserve, you have something that's got some substance. But uh, what I see is they're trying to ultimately make a world currency. And when they create chaos, they always have the solution. It's more world government or something that leads that way. So to have an international reserve currency that turns into a global currency and a global central bank would be their panacea to outflank all the nations, including the United States, so they can't have an independent foreign policy or independent monetary policy. And uh, that's going to hurt a lot of people if they ever pull that off, because I would say 99.9% of the people are woefully unprepared to deal with uh, any type of tragedy like that, because it would be a tragedy and uh, would suffer greatly. 
And, uh, you know, but many countries where things have been tough and you've seen, you know, regime changes or financial collapses, people are a little more in tune to be, you know, having the ear to the railroad tracks to listen to that train coming and uh, and get prepared when it does sound like it is coming. And uh, that's the only thing we can do as uh, individuals is just be prepared so that if it does come, uh, we're not going to be hungry right away. Well, well, Trump's strategy seems to be to to grow the economy. The only way to exactly. to, to get out of the debt deficit and the debt, which is nearing twenty trillion, the only way is to grow and to inflate out of that that, uh, and that would be obviously with uh, part of the uh, the rationale behind these massive tax cuts. Also, uh, inversion, allowing these corporations who have money trillions of dollars offshore to come back and reinvest, bring jobs back. Uh, increased tax revenues, will it work? Can you bring those jobs back in this age of robotics? Oh, yes, definitely. Because ultimately someone's got to work at the uh, robotics as well and the computer programming. You might not be turning a screw or, or uh, you know, operating on an assembly line exactly as in days past, but you have to control the infrastructure of the plant that does that, and good jobs can come back. One of the biggest places where good jobs can come back is in the oil patch. They took a really bad hit with the price of oil falling, and, uh, you know, same here in Canada that just devastated Alberta. And that can be restored. To put the middle, the middle class is the economic engine of the world, whether, you know, you want to like it or not. And to take away jobs from the middle class slowly implodes us. To bring them back... To uh, have people, uh, you know, performing reasonable work for reasonable pay and benefits is going to keep us going. Not minimum wage jobs. They always just talk about, well, they created jobs. Well, it'd be just like, okay, you, 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 a car is a car. One guy's got a Rolls Royce, and I got an old Lada from the '70s. They're not the same. They may both be cars, but they're not the same. So you can't trade one for another. And to lose good-paying, high, high-value jobs for garbage is, uh, you know, not something to be proud of. And I think Trump's going to turn that around. And I think in time, when you see the economic engine of the United States starting up again and people really getting put back to work, it's just going to be, you know, get out of the way <laughs> because nothing's going to stop that. It, it, there's no way to slow it down. Even us in Canada and in Mexico, we'll, we'll just get sucked up by the wind and be able to keep going if the economic powerhouse is restored in the United States. Might not be the best decision for a lot of billionaires, Maybe they won't be able to skim as much money as they used to under their old strategies. But the world has to be a place where we share dynamics, we share resources, we share money, and uh, for the benefit of all. And we have to look at the long-term path of least resistance getting to somewhere as opposed to they always take the short-term path, a dog following its tail, I get an advantage here, I collapse this city or this place or that company. But you don't look at the long-term effects of what that's going to mean. And... Uh, you know, that's just insane, really. A slow, stable, moderate growth for everyone is quite possible. The billionaires will still be billionaires, but the uh, middle class will be there, and there'll be a potential for people who aren't in the system, who may be unemployed or unemployable, to have some sort of potential to get into uh, something that's going to allow you to have a roof over your head and raise your children. Well, that, that, that is the problem here in Canada, as far as I can see. It's, it, the problem is we, we have too many billionaires. We don't have enough. Uh, and how are we going to compete with the United States when we have a carbon tax and cap and trade, uh, and uh, given their um, their plan to drastically lower uh, their corporate tax rate somewhere between 20 and 15 percent, um, we're not going to be able to compete. 
Well, that can be changed very, very quickly. The carbon tax and, and this whole cap-and-trade thing is one of the best looting of the treasuries and people's pocket scheme that ever came out. I think it was Peter Worthington and whatever son he's at Edmonton or Calgary had a great article on they use the math that they provide. And because we have so many forests, uh, even using their data about climate change and stuff, we're, we're not a carbon sinkhole. We shouldn't be paying anything because we're actually, we have so much forests. And that, he was just looking at the forests, not at anything else. That it's ridiculous to take any money off of us. We're, we're, we're the generators of oxygen. We're not the, uh, the burden of, of the CO2, if there's any truth to that at all. I have a diagram uh, that goes back to 2500 B.C., with the blog that talks about Trump getting uh, out of the carbon uh, initiatives from the White House website. And it's just very, very clear. Like, you're looking at mountains forming on this graph, going up and down, up and down, always around a volcano going off somewhere. I think they spew up quite a bit of volcano, of carbon uh, gas and many other oh, things. Oh, uh, if you get something like Matt, Mount Etna uh, blowing, after three days, that will basically undo any attempts by mankind to ameliorate our carbon uh, dioxide uh, contributions for the last four years. Three days of a spewing volcano undoes four years. It's like shoveling sand against the tide, George. Exactly. But when it comes to money... They're shoveling a lot of money places that we have no accountability for. And I think that, and the, the other thing is, if they had their master strategy to reduce temperature or put up a temperature a half a degree or one degree, which really is, you know, almost a statistical anomaly, nothing's going to change except the fact our, we're going to be looted from our pockets. I think the reason they brought this out from a conspiratorial edge is it's the, they can't tell the people that we're going bankrupt and we can't make our payments. So we invent this and we say, okay, well, you've got to pay this tax here to save our lives because we're all going to die if you don't. And uh, so people will grudgingly pay it, and it's just a latch-dist effort to keep the boat afloat. But uh, I think there's, it's more nefarious than that, as I think a lot of very wealthy people are looting that uh, revenue and taking it away to places that we may never find because there's so many offshore bank accounts all over the place. Do you think Trump, President Trump has the, the will to actually follow through and pull out of the Paris Climate Accord? Yes. I think that would be the best move he could make. That is going to... I mean, the protests are going to rain down on him. If it could get any worse, it will. See, I think he's prepared to go all the way, and uh, that's just part and parcel of it. Part of it is a lot of people believe the lies that have been generated to us. We have probably been one of the most lied-to generations... And, you know, even a few generations before us even that have ever existed, uh, you know, like one WikiLeaks that came out that will probably never make the light of day in corporate media was that the moon landing was a fake. And then I find something else from one of my top research assistants that, you know, Trump's science advisor has been saying the same thing. And, uh, you know, he's a Yale professor saying that they faked it. Well, this is Wait a second. I got. We only have a couple minutes here, but um, and we'll have to have you back on uh, soon and, and, and go into that WikiLeaks document. Which WikiLeaks document pointed to the moon landing being a hoax? Well, that was one that just came out. I have it on my website on the front page, and uh, they just came out with documentation that there's communications and uh, material going back. The steep. Uh, I have the Kubrick film, you know, attached there. WikiLeaks documents reveal Apollo program was a fraud. Moon landings never happened. If you ever look at any of the uh, evidence, and that's what I'm talking about. That's like Christ said, you know, I give you eyes, but you will not see. 
And uh, when you look at Kubrick's film, he describes how they do the back sets on movie stages. And when you look at all the landings on the moon, once you learn the trick on what's the background and what's the stage that you're filming in the front, you can see the lines. And even the picture I have uh, on the front of the blog, you can see very clearly the dark gray of a hill. That's the backdrop, and in the front is the stage. The fact there's so many scientific principles that are uh, just defied by what happened on the moon because of the difference in gravity and uh, the fact that there's Radiation. a wind blowing the flag. You know, right. they're just going like, hey, wait a minute, you know, what what gives here? The other one that's funny that I joke about all the time, too, is when you see Neil Armstrong going down to jump and be the first man on the moon. Well, who's got the camera down there to take the picture? Isn't he the first guy on the moon? Oh, that was attached to the, the, so the lunar say. landing. Yeah. But uh, well, when you look at Kubrick's film and you see the background lights coming through the screen, like supposed to, you know, there's no stars uh, to see. Uh, it's just this black background. It's it's brilliant. It's I gotta, absolutely brilliant. i got to cut it there. We are out of time, but I'm going to jump on your blog and read that because this is a, a new one, the WikiLeaks. I mean, we've talked a lot about lunar landing hoaxes on the program. But listen, in the meantime, George, always a pleasure. Thanks for hanging out. Oh, bless you. Conspiracy-cafe.com. All right. Uh, my thanks to George Freund. And uh, just a reminder, uh, coming up in the next hour, actress, author, Marina Anderson. Uh, the ex-wife of uh, the late David Carradine, of course, known to many of you for his uh, work in movies like Kill Bill and, of course, uh, the long-running television series that actually had two incarnations, Kung Fu and Kung Fu The Legend Continues. Actress Marina Anderson will be along shortly. Uh, don't forget to get on up to the website strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca, and also check out theconspiracyshow.com. That's the website for the TV show. Uh, please say hello on Twitter, at Richard Serrett, at Richard Serrett, S-Y, because I love you, R-E-T-T, and you can subscribe to the YouTube channel as well, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. As always, follow the truth.